Good morning. We're in First uh, Peter chapter 2. Before we start, just by way of announcements, next week, uh, it being uh, Resurrection Sunday, um, we won't have any service in the evening. And by the way, uh, I'm finishing chapter 2 of First Peter. Chapter 3, likewise, uh, chapter 3 starts out, likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. We'll forego that one week and next week we'll talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And um, so that's what we have, you know, coming up. Uh, when are we going to meet again? Uh, well, that's a good question. Pray. Uh, to date, I haven't heard that anyone in our church family has the virus, which uh, we're very excited about because we've been praying as leadership, and I, you know, ask you to pray as well that uh, we don't want to see anyone sick, but especially those of the household of faith. So, in First Peter chapter two, we finished the last three verses. Last week, we'll start in verse four after we uh, address the sovereign uh, for his blessing. Our Father God, we pray that you would indeed. You know, this could be a lesson in futility if nobody listens, if nobody changes, if. If um, my thoughts are so muddled that nobody, it's incomprehensible, we pray, Spirit of God, that none of those things would come to pass, that your word would go forth in a mighty way and change hearts and change lives. To your honor and glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter chapter 2. Like I say, last week we finished up, we're told to lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Some call these sins in good stead. I mean, you know, if somebody's living in open rebellion against God, they, uh, they're welcome here. Uh, hopefully they'll hear the gospel and repent. But, you know, if you're teaching Sunday school class, if you, you know, have an, an, a, a, an office of the church, if you're an elder who's getting drunk all the time, you know, we're going to speak to a person about that. Uh, and and, we, and we, churches are good about that sort of thing. But they're not always good about you know, malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. Um, But we're supposed to put aside all that, and as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And we talked about this last week, since you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, verse 4, new stuff, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also, as living stones, have built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to keep going here, but let's stop right now. I got a little bit of a feedback, Mike, a little bit of a high-pitched kind of thing going on. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's in my head. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, okay, so we come to Christ who, uh, as unto a living stone, right? This living stone, Jesus Christ, uh, rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. And he also is living stones. Okay, Jesus Christ, the rock, right? And this is by Peter, by the way. Uh, uh, his name is Simon. Jesus changed his name to Petros, a rock. And rocky would would get this. He would he would understand these metaphors and he's extending them to us. He also has living stones. If Christ is a, 
uh, a rock, we're, we're rocks. If he's a, a living stone, we are, we are living stones. He also has living stones. And it says lively in the King James, but I've kind of changed it to living just so to help us understand what it's being said there. He also as living stones are built up a spiritual house. Now let's talk about that before we get into holy priesthood and this and that. Um, living stones uh, that build up a spiritual house, a good name for a church, spiritual house, okay? Spirit house or something like that. Uh, I've never been overly fond of Calvary Chapel. Well, I like Calvary Chapel. I like what they stand for. I just never liked the name. Uh, Calvary's fine, the chapel part. You know, it makes me feel like a chaplain or something. I, uh, so let's change the name of the church to uh, Spirit House. No, we don't have to do that. And um, but, but what it's saying here, don't, lo- don't lose what it's saying here, we're living stones, and we are used together. God, who is a master builder, you know, it says in Hebrews about Abraham that he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Well, Jesus Christ is a builder as well. Uh, chip off the old block, uh, pun intended. Um, he's a builder as well. You say well, he's a carpenter, so, uh, out of the sort of wood. Well, in the day that Christ built, the houses were built out of stone. You think more like a stonemason than an, an actual... It could mean carpenter in the sense that we think about it. But he's a builder. And uh, here he takes these us, these stones, and he quarries us into so that we fit together. And we, he, we have a place. Everyone has a place and stuff like this. This isn't quite like a, the body imagery. Being of the same body, that, that's, that's close-knit. Now, we think of stones, and we're thinking of they're cold, impersonal. Not us. We're living stones. And we're wedged into right in tight, packed in with everybody else. And what are we doing? We're, we're creating this spiritual house. Now, what, what's that all about? Well, put that on the back burner for a second, because he's going to kind of say, and holy priesthood. Okay, now, I know a lot of believers don't think of themselves as priests. They have an idea of like, uh, we have a lot of people like myself who are brought up in the Catholic Church. By the way, you are, by definition, a Catholic priest. Catholic meaning universal. You are more a Catholic priest than a lot of Catholic priests, in, in my thinking, my way of looking at it. You're, a, you're a holy, holy means set apart for a, a sacred purpose, your holy priesthood. What do priests do? They offer sacrifices. That's what they did in the in the uh, temple, and before that, that's what they did uh, in the tabernacle. They offered someone come. They would sin. They they say, "Oh, I've done this sin. Here's a goat. Here's a bull," and and the priest would slaughter it and sacrifice it to God. Uh, that's what priests do. They 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 make sacrifices. So what do we do as priests? Well, we make sacrifices as well. You say, oh, I ain't killing no goat or nothing. Uh, stop that right, right away. No, we don't have to do that because the Lamb of God has been shed. Uh, Lamb of God has been slain. His blood shed from the foundation of the earth. We already figured that out from the foundation of the world. Um, so our, our sacrifice is more along the lines of a spiritual sacrifice. Well, we're spirit house, right? So our sacrifices wouldn't be of a carnal nature. They'd be of a spiritual nature. I mean, figure it out. So, and we're called to offer up spiritual sacrifices, 
acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. What a spiritual sacrifice. Well, the one that is encapsulated in Scripture is worship. Uh, is that the only one? Well, let's keep reading. Let's, let's see what we can determine here. So where these living stones were built to the spiritual house, we are a holy priesthood, and by this holy priesthood, our function is to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Are these sacrifices acceptable to God? Yes, they are. It says so. Which isn't, I mean, we could spend a long time on this. Your heart worship to God is to him a, a beautiful thing. Maybe your voice is beautiful. Maybe it's not. It's beautiful to him. Because he's looking at the heart, not the note so much. And he made, you know, people with, who are tone deaf. And he's made people who carry a melody quite beautifully. And I think he made all that. To him, is it, is it cacophony? Maybe to us sometimes it is. Is it to him? I think he thinks it's a beautiful sound. It's acceptable anyway. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Scripture says that, and we'll go and we'll look at that in, here in a minute. Who is it? Well, it's Jesus Christ. And he, he who believes in him shall not be confounded or confused. The idea unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. And isn't he? We sing songs to his name. We, our whole life revolves around him. He's our very reason to be. Uh, he's the reason we take breath. He's the reason we do things and the reason we abstain from doing other things. He's our, not only the giver of eternal life, he's the reason for our whole life. So, uh, yeah, yeah, um, he's very precious. But unto them which be disobedient, and the idea of those who are outside of the faith, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner. Uh, and disallowed here means rejected. When, when did that happen? Well, we're reading about it in Matthew uh, chapter 12, 13, 14. You know, when he's, when they saying, oh yeah, sure, you're doing all this, but it's by the power of Beelzebub. And we looked at this in, de in depth, and we won't look at it right here, but that's who's being talked about, and that's who's being referenced. Uh, and that's in Psalm 118, verse 22. Let's go there right quick, okay? Because I've had it, I have a bookmark there. It'll take you a little longer to find it. In Psalm 118, and Psalm about in the middle of your Bible, 119 is the longest chapter of Psalms. Most of us know it, or at least familiar with it. Psalm 118, very famous psalm. And verse 22, it says, The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. And I like refuse because that really encapsulates the heart attitude of the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the political rulers. It's more of a, no, no, we don't want this Savior. We, we, we want a military savior, savior to get rid of Rome. We don't want a, you know, a humble Savior. Okay, the fact that he's putting, giving people their sight, making the lame walk, driving out demons, that's all well and fine, but that's not what we're after. We're after, you know, we want to be autonomous. We want a, a, a God to ride into town and tell us how awesome we're all doing. Uh, the fact that he calls us hypocrites, we don't like that. So we refuse him, and this is what's happened. The stone which the builders, right, the ones who are building the faith of Israel, they reject the stone 
But God's saying, no, 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 no. I don't care about your rejection. He's the headstone, the cornerstone. The, the, it's, here it says the headstone of the corner, the cornerstone. You've got to get this cornerstone right. Everything else is built off that. It's got to be level. It's got to be plumb. It's got to be cut precisely when you're building with stone. Now, we don't think in terms like that because we generally don't build with stone. Uh, this cornerstone, God said, no, I'm building everything off of him. Everything that is built spiritually is being built off Jesus Christ. I love people say, well, I believe in God. I'm not sure if I believe in Jesus Christ. Well, that's unfortunate. He's the chief, he's the, the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I just want to keep reading here because I think the rest of this is marvelous and instructive. Uh, you know, we always sing, this is the day. You know that old, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made. And we're talking about Sunday, we're together, it's festive, and we're all, yay, this is the day. Scripturally, the day that the Lord is made it's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll show you that. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. This, uh, that Hosanna refrain on Palm Sunday, which this is, by the way, in, in our calendar, if we go by calendars, this is Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday. This is kind of what they sang. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. O Hosanna, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Verse 26. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And this is literally what they were singing or saying. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Uh, now, let's keep going here because there's more to be had. God is the Lord which hath showed us light. So, God, with him there's illumination, God is light, and him is no darkness at all, we know. And then it goes on in the same verse. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Is that important? We're going to see in today's reading, it's very important. That is the mechanism by which God saves. They're saying, save now, verse 25. Deliver us, right? Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Uh, God is the Lord, with, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Are you surprised to find that there? This is how God saves now. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, he's the head of the corner. But he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. Being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Uh, he's, he's a stone of stumbling. You will trip over this, this, this cornerstone. Okay? Uh, the scripture says that we fall on him, we're broken. He falls on us, we're crushed to powder. Here, we're not crushed to powder here. We're not... We're not but but we're stumbling over him, or we're on board with him. And there's no gray here, is there? He's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. What word? Well, Psalm 118. He's the chief head of the corner. He's the, he's the rock of offense. He's, he's the one who saves, 
um, he's the one. He's the blessed one who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the one who gives illumination, and he's the sacrifice which is tied to the horns of the altar. Um, and so there's people who take offense to that, even to the, because they stumble at the word, because they're disobedient, and whereunto they were also appointed. They're appointed unto disobedience. No, they're appointed to stumble over him if they don't accept him, if they don't believe in him. But you, in, in contradistinction, but you, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him with called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the illumination piece, but let's go back and begin at the beginning. You're a chosen generation, okay? What, generations about 40 years, 70 years, depending on what verse you're reading in Bible. No, genos is a ethnicity it's an it, it's a it's a gene kind of thing it's a adam you said there's only one human there's only one race a human race but there are ethnicities and we're our an ethnicity all to ourselves we are born again says so in chapter one verse da, 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 three blessed be the god and father of the lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again we're born again uh, verse 23 of chapter 1, being born again, not of corruptible seed. Seed is involved here, right? Think DNA. Um, so what are we, Adam? What, what, what is this genos? What is this ethnicity all about? Well, it's a born again identity. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. In the Old Testament, there's Jew and Gentile. In the New Testament, there's Jew and Gentile and church. And church, this new entity, this this singular construction, this, this body, this living spiritual house, it's its, its own genos, its own ethnicity. Uh, it, in Christ, it, what, well, what is it? Is it, is it like dark-complected, like African race? Is it light-complected, like Norwegian? No, it's no black and white. There's no, there's no male and female in it. There's no slave and free. There's none of that stuff. It's It's its own... I don't know how to say it. Its own ethnicity. It's it's a it's a, if any man be in Christ is a new creation. Creations involved and things like class distinction and what your ethnicity was before. Who cares? It, it's not. It doesn't come to the front. It's not important. Your chosen generation, a chosen ethnos, a royal priesthood. Again, priest. Okay, royal priesthood. Think here priest and king. There's only three people in Scripture who I see are kings and priests. You can't be in Israel. You can't be a king and a priest. If you were kingly, then you'd be in Judah's line like Jesus Christ was. But if you're priestly, you'd be in the Levitical line like Jesus Christ wasn't. So how is Jesus Christ a high priest? He's not Levitical. No, he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's the second person. He's the king of Salem. He's the priest of the Most High God. So he's a king and a priest like Jesus Christ. And Jesus derives his minister, ministry, his, 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 his pedigree, if you were, is like Melchizedekian pedigree. It's not a Levitical. So he's king and priest. Melchizedek's king and priest. Well, who else is king and priest, Adam? Uh, you, right here, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Think here, kingly priest. You're, 
Kings and priests, just like Jesus Christ, just like Melchizedek. Who else in Scripture is? Nobody else. You got Melchizedek, you got Jesus Christ, and you got you. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Uh, I, some people use this to think, well, I can act weird because it's a peculiar people. A particular, uh, it's, it's, it's people for God's purpose, not peculiar in the sense of, you know, quirky and weird. Although, I've seen quirky, okay? I, people accuse me of that. I'm not the epitome of normalcy, by the way. And the more you behave like me, the normaler you are. Uh, but I think I see quirky all the time. And it's cute and it's wonderful. And it's the way God made us. Uh, don't be weird just to, uh, for the sake of being weird. You're weird enough just on your own. So we are a particular people, a people for God, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Remember, we are as living stones, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And what's the holy priesthood all about? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Now here... Your chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him. It answers the question. What's our sacrifice look like? Showing forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, there's the illumination piece that we pulled out of Psalm 118. Which in time past were not a people, but now you are a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Isn't God awesome? Isn't our salvation an incredible thing? So with his spiritual house, to offer him pray, praise, we're uh, a new ethnicity that's never been seen before except for the last 2,000 years, we're, and it's chosen by God that we should be this. We're kings and priests. We're holy to God. We're a, 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 his particular people for the purpose that we should show uh, forth praises uh, he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And here's the thing. We used to not be any of these things. Which were in time past. You weren't a people. You weren't a royal chosen nothing. No adjectives. You, were, you, were, you hadn't obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Now, mercy is a wonderful thing. I think a lot of people a lot of times say, I want what I got coming to me. I want what I deserve. You don't. You don't. If somebody's tuned in today and you're a non-believer, you do not, on your best day, want what's coming to you. It's called hell. For the wages of sin is death, we're told in other scriptures. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You don't want what's coming to you. You want mercy. Tell me, let me tell you something about this judge who will all stand before you, that will all stand before someday. Throw yourself on the mercy of the court. You are guilty. Yeah, but I've done a lot of good things too. That won't mitigate any of the bad things. Uh, I got stopped for speeding the other day. I was doing uh, I was doing 50 and a 35. And he said, you're 15 over. I said, yeah, but the other day it was 70 on the freeway. I was only doing 50. You still owe me five. It didn't work, by the way. And no, I didn't really get stopped or pulled over. I just want to say that quickly. I'm not one given a speed. Everyone says, like, boy... I passed you on the highway. Uh, you, you drive like my grandmother. I, well, unless she's the little old lady from Pasadena, I'm probably guilty of that. I'm never in a rush. I leave in plenty of time. Here's the point before I get too far afield. 
doing a lot of good. So we have the mass murderer who gives to charity. Is that what he's going to tell the, to the judge? Yeah, I, I give to, uh, you know, uh, the ASPCA or the, uh, I give to uh, the Jimmy Fund or I give to uh, whatever cause and stuff. And the judge says, well, I know, but you've killed all these people. Well, yeah, but I, I helped an old lady across the street. And this is our plight. We're guilty before God and all the good that we've ever done, which is questionable in my thinking, won't mitigate even one of the smallest of our sins. What do we need? We need mercy. We uh, uh, who have believed in Jesus Christ, we have obtained mercy. How do you get mercy? Ask. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've, I've done it. You're right. I was wrong. I deserve damnation. I deserve death. I totally get that. Uh, religious people never accept this. Rarely accept this. Well, I've done all these wonderful things. I, I uh, put the stain in the stained glass windows and I put the offering envelopes in and I've been going to church and I sang in the choir and I used to work in Sunday school and I did all these marvelous things. And none of those marvelous things will add up to anything at the end of the day. You've sinned and the wages of sin is death. And we don't become okay with God by doing more religious activity. We come okay with God by asking for his mercy. Dearly, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from f fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Let's talk about fleshly lust, because when we think of lust, we think of sexual lust. But uh, it's not talking about that. Well, it is, but it's not talking primarily about that. It's talking about fleshly lust. We could use the word desires for lust. Adam, fleshly desires sounds like Sex. Well, yeah, but there's all kinds of things that we could put in there. Any kind of thing that we desire that's not God. Um, I, I want to say this right. Is God against us desiring? God's against us desiring things that he doesn't desire for us, even if they're good things. And we have to take all our desires and filter them filter them through the grid of, okay, Lord, what do you what do you want from me? What are your desires for me? And anything that's at odds with him, pitch it. It's not going to benefit us. It's not going to take us where we want to be. And they're fleshly lusts. They war against the soul, so you know they're not good desires, okay? Um, so what's the what is the sense of this all? Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I'm begging you as strangers and pilgrims, because you're not you're just passing through. You don't, this world is not our home. With that in mind, get rid of the things, the entanglements that are stopping your pilgrimage. Like Abraham, who he, he confessed that he was a pilgrim. He said that he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Wealthy beyond any of our dreams of wealth was Abraham. He could have built an incredible structure, a mansion, lived it forever. What did he live in? A tent. Why? I'm not even putting my roots down here. I'm not going to be here all that long. And that's what it's saying. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from these fleshly lusts. They war against your soul. They're not going to bring you where you need to be. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You say, what does any of that mean? Well, let's break it down. 
Having your conversation, it's not talking about conversation, it's talking about lifestyle. Have your lifestyle honest, okay, open. I think part of honesty is openness. Holding back truth or holding back. Uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite, okay? Well, I, I didn't tell you specifically that I'm not addicted to porn. Therefore, I didn't lie to you. Didn't lie. That's not honest. If indeed I was addicted to porn. Um, honest is, yeah, I have this problem. And I have people around me. And by the way, I have people around me. I have elders and I have, you know, friends and stuff like this. And when I have issues, I say, hey, I'm, you know, stumbling in this issue. I'm, one of the things I'm kind of trying to put in perspective is there's nobody here. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, the funds are coming in in such and such a way. I can see at the end of the light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost done paying this church. I'd hate to default on a loan that I promised, by the way. Um, and so I'm I'm struggling with that a little bit. And I have people and I can I can tell that to and come and they can pray with me and stuff like this. Now, honesty is pretend. Well, I got this. I got this. Oh, I got faith. Oh man, I got I got faith. I haven't even used yet. That's dishonest. Part of honest is openness. So, you know, I was saying to people, okay, read the Bible and share what your impression was, what you got out of it. And I've had several people push back. Well, I'm a very private person. You mean dishonest? Because I don't think we're supposed to be very private people. Um, I could live in a glass house comfortably, and we're supposed to live like that, open and honest. Just This is who I am. This is the real deal. Listen, haven't I ever told you guys that I was a sinner? I'm very upfront about that. I'm even upfront about particular sins sometimes, things I struggle with. Uh, I want to be open. I want to be honest. I don't want to be furtive and secretive and uh, live behind closed doors. Listen, in your glass house, okay, Bathroom, bedroom, they got doors and no glass. Private stuff. Everything else, we're, we're, we're the same body. We're the same building. We're the same. And, and we got secrets from each other. Now, you know, the HIPAA laws, they, they have about the secrecy. If my wife goes into the doctor and I try to get... Uh, information from the doctor they won't even tell me even if i'm paying the bill they won't tell me uh because it's it's secret i understand that if somebody had like a heart condition they wouldn't want to tell a prospective employer or their insurance company that may discriminate against them because of that i get that but i would say if i had like a heart condition and i needed my nitroglycerin pills, the person I would work at, working with, I wouldn't want to be secretive at all. I'd say, okay, if I say show these symptoms, grab my nitroglycerin, it's right here in my lunch pail. And so there's, there's a place and time for secrets, but I think we have way too many. I think we, listen, this is who I am, what's and all. This is, this is, and I think God honors that. I think God wants us to be that open because it's saying right here, uh, have your conversation honest among the Gentiles. There's no subterfuge. I don't have a secret agenda. What you see is what you get. And I think that's the way God honors it. God wants us to be. 
Have your conversation, your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles. And of course it means truth-telling, obviously. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, and they do. By the way, Gentiles isn't talking about Jew and Gentile here. It's talking about unbelievers. The new, it used to be Jew and Gentile. Now it's Jew and Gentile in church. But church and unbeliever, or Gentiles, is the new paradigm. And this is what he's referring to here. Have your lifestyle open among the non-believers. They speak evil as you. Uh, uh, they speak against you as evildoers, and they do. But they may, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. The day of visitation means the day Jesus comes back and judges the world. And they want to see our lifestyle, and they want to behold it. Has anyone ever had this besides me? So someone's arguing with me about the existence of God. Ah, oh, that's a bunch of fairy tales. That's hooey. This is that. And they don't believe. And then when their mom gets an unfavorable diagnosis, they come and ask me to pray for their mom. And I'm much too much a gentleman to say, what? To who? You mean the God that you don't believe in? I would never do that. But I think it. What is that? They're, they're, they, they see they speak against you as an evildoer, but they see your good works. They see you legit. They see you're the real deal, and they, which they shall behold, and they glorify God. When someone comes to you and asks you for prayer, is that glorifying God? They don't go to the Dalai Lama and ask for prayer. They don't go to the Muslim neighbor and ask for prayer. Them guys pray five times a day, but there's no place in it for praying for your sick mother or something like that. No, they go to you, and that glorifies God. Submit yourselves. Okay, now, I think it's kind of a new um, topic, but it can also be looking at the definition of open and honest conversation among the Gentiles. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them which are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, writes the guy who doesn't submit himself to every ordinance of man and gets crucified for his efforts. Paul wrote this too, and Paul's beheaded when he doesn't submit himself to every ordinance of man. Can it, Adam, can you give me an example of when to submit and when not to? Well, I gave you one, speed limit. Uh, I'll give you another. I'm preaching to an empty room. Why? Because the governor, literally the govern, governor, uh, has put restrictions in place where uh, first it was 50, then it was 10, then it's like we don't want anyone going to any churches. Imagine next week, Resurrection Sunday, all the churches in this nation, for the first time in this nation's history, will be closed. Is that a judgment from God? Is it God trying to give us a wake-up call? Will you wrestle with that? But By the way, the answer to the question is yes. And what's the solution? Um, repentance nationally, which is always the solution if my pe people which are called by my name humble themselves and seek my face or hear from heaven or hear their land. Uh, there's something I'm missing, another part of that. But you, you know the verse, whether I quote it, <laughs> butchered or not. So we submit ourselves to every ordinance of man like not going to church on Sundays because of the virus. And by the way, that's what, that's where we're at. And some people first said, well, you can't tell, let them tell you what to do. They can't, 
oh, this is this is bogus. This isn't real. This is just to see if they'll you'll, they'll get you to run like scared sheep. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Now, whether this be whatever this is, okay? I'm a conspiracy theorist like anybody is, but having said that, I think there really are, really is a virus, and there really are people dying, and we really are pro-life, and we really are submitting to every ordinance of man. Uh, I, I, I see that, in my own thinking, crystal clear. You can debate it. I am worried about they've taken away some of our rights, and once this is passed, will they give all our rights back? It's not in the nature of government to give out rights. Uh, we have a creator who gives us inalienable rights, and we have to rely on him and sometimes push back against the government. So when do you push back and when do you, when do you go along? Well, you go along with every ordinance as much as you can until it crosses over your, your Christianity. Uh, again, Paul's, Paul and Peter both end up being crucified because they have the government says, you will not preach this gospel. And they said, yeah, we kind of will. You're going to have to deal with it. Well, we'll kill you. Whatever. Don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, then I'll just go home to be with Jesus, and he'll raise up all kinds of people in my place. But listen, here's what you've got to understand. We're not doing it. And we have this all through Scripture. We have a king, crazy guy, who says, hey, bow to my statue of, uh, uh, you know, it's all the head of gold, uh, the whole thing is of gold and uh i'm talking about nebuchadnezzar we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace throw away not going to bow down ain't going to do it um god will deliver us and if he doesn't still ain't bowing down and there's a time when you have to understand and by the way where that is in every person be prayerful be full of the holy spirit let god lead you in these things i can give you biblical examples but I can't give you an example in this situation. We've never been in this situation before as a nation. I'm 60 years old. There's some people that are 106, and they've never seen this. So, um, you know, uh, what, what are we going to do? What, what, what are we to do? We're to, we're to pray, and we're to lead where we feel like God's calling us to lead. Uh, lead go where God's calling us to go. So we submit ourselves to every ordinance of man, because of, for the Lord's sake, not because of the governor. So the king, the president, he's a different party. His pursuits and his aims would be different from our governor, who's of a different party. And very, very often, they're pulling in different directions. How am I supposed to choose? Well, by the way, choose. We have an election. We can, we can do that. We can choose. But the, the, the pull isn't... isn't submitting ourselves to every ordinance the ordinances that come up that this is this is what you have to do those are the ordinances we're talking about and god's saying i'm pleased that you do that that you're obedient um, because he puts government in a place deal with this people who haven't voted for our president or our last one the people who voted for this president probably voted against the last one but deal with this they are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for praise of them that do well, every administration. For so is the will of God that with well-doing he may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
do well, and then people who are just running their mouth, they'll run themselves into a corner. And that's what it's saying. You, you, put to, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Oh, he's this, he's that, he's a law-abiding good guy, a good citizen. As free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. So we're free, so I can do anything I want. That's what freedom means to me. I can sleep with whoever I want. I can watch whatever movies I want. I can drink as much alcohol as I want. I can take as much drugs as I want, because I'm free. No, then I'm using my freedom as a cloak. I can do anything I want, because I'm free. No, freedom scripturally means the freedom to serve God. And all these other things are just well-decorated prisons. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Figure it all. You honor all men, and it ends up with saying honor the king. But you love the brotherhood. I don't think a lot of Christians understand that like, like they should. How do we love the brotherhood? Uh, by fearing God. Uh, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And by the way, let's visit here about fearing God. i guess still got a long way to go, so I'm going to just not drill down very long. Fear, you know, a lot of people are really uptight when you talk about fearing God, but it's all through Scripture. I think we sin and take sin very lightly. We should fear sin. Why? Because God punishes sin and i've said before choose to sin choose to suffer yeah but jesus died for all my sins right but if i knock over a bank i still go to jail uh you are involved with pornography i mentioned pornography again a lot of people are involved in pornography in the church of jesus christ will that will you suffer yes i'll get away with it scot-free not even if your wife doesn't find out but she probably will one, she's not stupid, and God will make sure you know this. Your sin will find you out. Uh, but you're suffering internally. Uh, pornography leads to inability to perform. Let's just leave it at that, and let's keep moving. Uh, we'll drill down on that more when we get back into the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon tonight, good stuff, should be here. Okay, I mean, be here virtually. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God. Honor the king. Don't take God lightly. And if you don't take God lightly, you'll honor the king. Um, what about when he's not very kingly? Yeah. Um, there were kings in Israel who, weren't, who were absolutely, positively against God and against the God of the Bible. Um, it doesn't say respect the office because i think a lot of us hide behind that no god put him there for a reason what is the reason to punish us i i suppose sometimes that would be true and honor you know we're supposed to pray for i told you before i i had a real hard time praying for the last king um but that's on me because the bible says that we're supposed to pray for those who have uh you know the government governing officials Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. It started out, verse 13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. It started out with talking about everyone submitting to everyone else. 
submit, uh, submit to every ordinance of man. Here he going, he's talking about subject, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Um, it's kind of the same in uh, Ephesians 5. It talks about submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then it's talking about wives. Your part in this is submitting to your husbands. Scripture is clear all through. Now, I want to talk about that tonight in part of our study. And I want to enjoy all you women. It, it's going to be a real benefit and a real good thing. And it's really going to go far towards curing what's ailing. Have faith that not in me, but in the word of God. God's not your enemy. He's your loving Heavenly Father. And He says, do this. That'll never work. It's the only thing that will work. But we'll put that on back burner until tonight. Here He's talking about servants be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience sake to a God and do agree suffering wrongfully. I talk to people sometimes. Oh, they're persecuting me at church. Uh, it, uh, at work. Uh, what, what, what happened? What happened? Uh, they, you know, saw a Bible on your desk and they fired you. No, they did fire me. Well, what happened? Well, I was late three weeks in a row. And they, uh, No. You're suffering because you're a knucklehead. Don't confuse that with suffering for the cause of Christ. Um, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Why? Because they can fire you, okay? Not only the good and gentle. So you have a really good boss. I do, right? Is he listening to this and I'm buttering him up? No, I'm just telling you. He's a really good... I, I consider him a friend and a really good guy. Uh, but also to the forward. I worked for someone who was forward in the past, okay? And I'm not going to say anything more than that. Uh, forward here means just harsh, okay? He's trying to harsh my mellow all the time. Not only was he trying to... He was harsh, and he was trying to make me into someone who's harsh. My job doesn't work harsh. If I walk around threatening everybody all day long, it's, it's a very, very ineffective way to do the job. But I still am called on to subject uh, myself to be subject to your masters, your boss, right? With all fear. And I don't care if he's good, and I don't care if he's bad. By the way, Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. Figure it out. Whether he's gentle or whether he's harsh. But more on that tonight. It's thankworthy to God. God says this is worthy of thanks. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. So if you're being wrong, God's saying, okay, I see that. And it's acceptable to me that you're doing what you're called to do. And there's a place where you don't go, again, like government, where they're trying to get you to do something wrong. I may disagree with tactics, but at the end of the day, I do what I'm told to do. In this new job, it's I'm not being discriminated against because I'm a, because I'm a Christian. Many of people in our company are overt, born-again, out-there Christians, and they do very well in this company. As a matter of fact, I meet with my boss right during this season, for prayer every day. I've, I can't tell you how much that blesses my heart. And he prays. He, he prays for the company. He, he beseeches God, Almighty God, the God that I believe in, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, not just some banal, gray, nebulous God, uh, oh, magnificent, sovereign of the universe. Uh, no, no. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he believes in him, and he 
prays with us believers, and he actually prays out loud. And I can't tell you what a, a blessing that is to me. He's not, he's not froward. He's, he's good and he's gentle. He's, he's a gentleman. He's a good guy. And, and whether but I've had both, and you still got to do what your boss tells you to do, and God honors that. But what glory is it when you are buffeted for your faults? So you get fired because you are late every day. That's not, that's not glorious. Uh, you take that, uh, what, what glor- uh, glory is it, what credit is it when you are buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if, but if when you do well and suffer for it, you take that patiently, that's acceptable with God. In this life you shall have tribulation. We're told that. Not just that God telling us that we're going to have tribulation, but now he's telling us what to do under this tribulation. In many places in Scripture he says that. He wants us to what? Endure it patiently. That's acceptable with God. For even hereunto ye will call, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Now he's going to talk about, okay, being like Jesus. Jesus did among many things. Okay, you know, because here's what we, we talk about sometimes. People say, oh, Jesus, he was a great teacher. Of course he was. But they think he was only a great teacher, to which we take exception. And we should. Here, Peter's saying, Jesus left us an example. He was a great example. And of course he was. Now, Peter's not making the point. That's all. Just follow his example and you're okay. He's just talking about one aspect of Jesus Christ's life. He endured suffering patiently. And he's going he's gonna to end up the whole chapter with this. You're called to endure suffering patiently. Um, anyone know Jesus? Yeah, like Jesus. You know, I remember him, and, he, and he's going to give us examples. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He wasn't the one who was late every day to work, who was hanging around the water cooler, who was goofing off, who was not, you know, he wasn't that. He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, Reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. I mean, when he suffered, think about the cross, he threatened not. You guys are all going to get you, as a matter of fact, right now. And he calls the angels down, and (laughs) the rest is ugly and very bad. No, he committed himself to him that judges righteously. You remember, in Gethsemane, I don't want to do this. He's sweating blood. Jesus, if I can say it right, he's freaked out. And I say that very reverently. What's freaking him out? The cross? I think separation from God. That's what I think. And he's saying, I don't want it. I don't want to swim in the cesspool of the sin of all humanity. But your will be done. Here he's committing himself to God who judges righteously. And Think about it. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Now, he goes full circle. He's talking about, at the beginning, your, uh, where, where are you? Uh, to whom coming, Jesus Christ, right, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed but men, but chosen of God and precious. He also, as li- li- living stones, are built up a spiritual house. 
salvation, one of the aspects of where, where that we're spirit house, okay? How did we get here? Well, now I say we come in full circle. Verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Did that Was that efficacious? It's the only thing that is. You're being religious. You're trying to do more good things than bad things is not effectual. It won't work. What will work? Who, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, tree here meaning cross, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus, was he was beaten, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace fell upon him. What did that look like? It looked like the cross, who his by his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. What was the effect? That we, being dead to sins, why? Because Jesus Christ became sin for us and then died, taking our sins to the grave with him. Well, I wasn't alive when that happened. It happened outside of time. Don't ask. All the sins that you ever committed are under the blood of Jesus Christ if you select. By his own self bear... uh, by his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Can we? Yeah, of course. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. This is what he got. We're a spiritual house to offer praise to God, to be kings and priests, to be a living, living stones, to be everything he wants us to be, and more and more and more. We, we can live unto righteousness. Why? By his stripes we are healed. We heal from all the contradictory. Let's finish up here. For ye were as sheep going astray. Were. The operative word here. You were like that, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. What does that look like? I was going away, but I'm not going away now. What happened? Repentance. Metanoia, change of mind, which means change of heart, change of direction. I was going away from God. I repented and I came back to God. Is that salvation? Yeah, yeah. Lord, save me. I'm I'm a sinner. I'm I'm going in the wrong direction. We we were like sheep going astray, but now we're returned. Read here, repented unto the Shepherd and the Bishop of your souls, who, in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed let's pray father god we thank you for this great salvation you did it all you did it all we couldn't even pretend to add to this great salvation the sacrifice you sacrificed in your own body on the tree wherein you took our sins from us and you gave us your righteousness We praise and thank you for the salvation. We thank you that we're uh, priests and kings. We thank you that we're a chosen generation, that we should show forth your praises, that um, we thank you for being a spirit house, living stones. Lord, it's all good. Everything you've given us is tremendous. And Lord, we're not... We're not under the circumstances, Lord. We're victorious. You haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of sound mind. And Lord, we pray that in these days, we're going to need that. Help us to be victorious, to dwell above our circumstances. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded